Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. So you were saying when you were a professional footballer yeah. for a big professional club. Wow, I wouldn't say that. But yeah. You wore F50s. Yes. F50 seems to, I don't remember F50s. Which they ones were like, uh, they were like the Adidas equivalent of like vapours, you know, they're like thin, the light smo- ones. The smoking thing that people do outside these days? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a bit like <laughs> that, yeah. They were like those, they were good. I mean, yeah, they were good. Did you so find it made a difference? Yeah, when like, if you wore like big, thick heavy boots Mm -hmm. I just couldn't really like if you're Bobby Charlton yeah basically I couldn't really you know really get my game on but it really like you could tell the difference between like comfort wise it just made you feel better and it's it's probably psychosomatic as well but yeah yeah, they do make Mm. I think they make a difference yeah I remember the big innovation growing up playing football was a flip over tongue fold over tongue ah flip over tongue uh, remember those yeah predators are they just predator had that is that right? Yeah. Who? The Adidas Predator? Was it called like that? Predator? Oh, the pre- yeah, the Predator. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, ger- yeah. I'm German, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> predator. Was I was like, what's the Predator? Predator. But the thing is, German. they have the tongue so far down sometimes that someone mm. stands on your foot, you're like... Getting in the way of my... Exposed. I never had a pair of Predators. It's a sad childhood tale. Me your neither. Of choice, I, eh? I had them. I had World Cups. Ah, right, yeah. yeah. Classic. Yeah. Because yeah. I thought it would make me a better midfielder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't... You, can't, <laughs> yeah. you can't wear those if you're in defence or attack. It's no, just, no, no. It's a, it's a, it's it has a, to be mm-hmm. a ball-playing central midfielder to wear, mm. to wear any sort of... That's not what I was. Like <laughs> not quite... <laughs> but you had a good shout with what was it Puma, Puma Kings. Kings wow I feel like I have very large feet mm-hmm. and I think this was realised from an early age my dad took me to the shop when I was like six and he was like they're the only ones that fit Matt <laughs> you're getting a pair of Puma Kings and every time I went somewhere else and thought I'd be a bit flash no lasted about two or three months and I just went back to back to, to Puma, Puma King King. I'd always wanted Reliant. a pair of Lotto Mm. Oh, mm. wouldn't so even know where to the get Italians them. Italians back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Very Baggio. It makes me think, yeah, Baggio, Pepe Signori, yeah, that yeah. type of thing. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, it's probably enough dreaming about boots. <laughs> <laughs> Joining me, Ian McCourt, on today's One Football Podcast is Alex Mott. Hello. Nico Hamer. Yep. And Matt Froelich. Good afternoon. So keep all the questions coming in. The address for that is the usual podcast at onefootball.com. Now it's Christmas. I want to give the listeners a bit of a treat. And my treat comes in the form of an insight into how the podcast is put together each week. Usually, you know, I cast an eye over the guests, check their fitness, see who's available for selection, (laughs) that sort of thing. And then we kick around a few topics, see what we'd like to discuss. This week, as you know, Alex, we were sort of texting around. Oh, we're thinking, oh, maybe we're we're sort of topic short. Yes. And then along came Manchester United. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I know we all sort of expected it, but was there any sense of shock that it finally went through at all? I was shocked, yeah, that they pulled the trigger on Monday, uh, Tuesday. That is exactly the point for me. It was Tuesday. That shocked me. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to let light into magic, but I was in late in the office on Monday. Mm. And I thought, should I write an article just in case you get sacked? And I thought, no, nah, they won't do it. There's no chance they'll do it. And then, yeah, Tuesday morning. Yeah, I was really shocked, actually. I thought it would take them either getting knocked out of the Champions League or mathematically being unable to make next year's. Um, but I suppose you have to give the board at United some sort of credit for being so ruthless. But um, they shouldn't. Well, as soon as they didn't back him in the summer, the writing was on the wall, really. So, yeah, I, I, yeah, I want to give them a little bit of credit for doing it on Tuesday. But yeah, I think it was the right decision in overall. I think they could have. I think they almost sort of <coughs> used the Liverpool game as a, a scapegoat. Yeah, but it, that was the worst I've seen them play. It, and the it, Marino. it was dreadful, but I feel like. They try to come out of some glory by saying, we've given you time, but you've lost the derby. This is unacceptable. Yeah. Whereas what you did the last three months is unacceptable. Well, yeah, for, for I got further in three months. But. Yeah, well, yeah. You know what I mean? But I yeah. think they almost weren't ruthless enough. If they were more ruthless, oh. within like six weeks, they would have been like, we're not going to back you. You're not doing it. Well, apparently they Get were going to, they were thinking about doing it in October. Yeah. Um, and if they'd have lost that Newcastle game, um, I read a good report in the Times today that they were thinking of doing it then. But they came back, they won 3-2. I think they won four games on the bounce oh, then. Oh, yeah. Um, they were 2-0 down yeah, in that, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. in 20 minutes. Um, so they've been thinking about it for a long time. Um, 
yeah and yeah sat on that so that Times report you yeah, mentioned. I right. urge anybody to go read it today. There's a huge amount of mm. background stories about, oh, this is what really happened mm. in the dark days of Mourinho. This one is very, very good. Two points I took from it is that I found were, let's say, juicy details. Yeah. He didn't want gigs on the staff because of <laughs> yes. Giggs's history of extramarital affairs with his brother's wife. So just that's why that's one of the reasons Seems why he didn't related felt, felt he couldn't trust. But he him said he felt person. he couldn't trust him. Yeah. And they yeah. also named the four players who were friends with him or let's say liked him. You want to take a guess who the Who four? liked Mourinho? Yeah. Oh, I really so want to four, hear that. So okay. basically 90% of the squad yeah. didn't like him. So Fiaini liked him. Okay, Fellaini? Fellaini's one. Yeah. Matic? Two. Lukaku. Lukaku's three. And Someone, it's got to be one of the centre halves that he kept playing, even though they were dreadful. Right area of the pitch, but not centre half. Okay, no, it must be Luke Shaw then. No, but right position. <laughs> Ashley Young. Yes, yeah. finally we. It got wasn't there. too bad though. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's I was surprised good. by Lukaku, to be honest. Yeah, I didn't think Lukaku would be. No, because when you, when you when you're bad and your manager still backs you, you yeah. gotta love him. Well, Same okay. thing with Fellaini. But they, just, these guys are the guys that now know. When the new manager comes in, they're going to have to start putting in the performances. They can't rely on, you know, being Jose's favourites anymore. But on the other hand, like, Lukaku was close friends with Pogba for quite some time, yeah. right? And Pogba was, I'd say, clearly on the other side yeah, of yeah. that of the locker room. <laughs> what would make you think that? Yeah, <laughs> just have a feeling there. Not, nothing to do with an Instagram, a well-timed <laughs> yeah. Instagram post or just anything a feeling. like that. No. Okay, so you reckon, where do you reckon it all started to go wrong? I because think, some people are saying last season, I, some people are I saying this season. last season, I think you can really pinpoint it down to the second leg against Sevilla where oh interesting where yeah. Mourinho was out coached by Vincenzo Montella which sort of says everything you need to know about oh, how yeah. bad that game was they that, just that was know. the one Popo was dropped and then brought on dropped, after like 20 seconds yeah or dropped something. for the second they drew 0-0 in Spain and then the second leg at Old Trafford I think they had like two shots on target um, Ben Yedder scored twice yeah. I was about to say it was and him they went out yeah. it was probably the easiest draw they could have had in the last 16 and I think from them I know they finished second, but that was mainly down to, I think they went 12 games unbeaten at the start of the season. That was a lot to do with that, really. Um, and from that point against Sevilla, it was downhill. And then, obviously, that was cemented by, in the summer, they came out almost immediately, the first game in the summer tour, and said, I'm not being backed properly. And then from then, it was just downhill, I think. Yeah. The writing was on the wall. Can we just explode this myth of him not being backed well, properly? Well, no, he, he said he Yeah, said no, no, he totally. Backed. But yeah, from yeah, his yeah, perspective, yeah. they spent £370 million. Yeah. Well, the, the board at United were a bit naive, to be perfectly honest. They offered him... Well, they gave him a new contract last Christmas. Yeah. And I think if then... If you're going to back your manager with a new contract, then you you sort of have to give him what he wants, and and it's you know Mourinho's taken a lot of blame and quite rightly, but the board have got to take an almost equal amount of blame for me for not backing him properly with what he wants. If he wants a centre half and you don't trust him to find a player, then why are you giving him a new contract? Because the ball is in his court. Mm. So I yeah, it's just. And he pretty much yeah. talked to every centre-back in the world, right? But there were like... I know that Jerome Boateng, for example, was just not really interested in working with Mourinho. Yeah. So And well, Alder, Alderweireld was on the cards That's as well right. and yeah. should have been should have been an easy buy, basically. Yeah. He was he wanted away from Tottenham. Tom did, Tottenham wanted to get rid of him. Man United wanted him. That should, should equal have been, a deal. Yeah. Absolutely, uh, yeah. But yeah, Sevilla for you two where it went wrong or was it him... Was it the tactics? Was it him slagging off the players in public so often? I... For, for me, I think that there's there's a fine line between the football you play and the results that you get because it always gives you something to fall back on. The same thing happens with Pochettino, with Klopp, with Guardiola to some extent. Every time they lose, they can say, yeah, but we played in the right manner. And it gives them that little buffer. The thing is with Mourinho, when you go for the 1-0, when you go for the park the bus and you lose, you can't hold your hand up and say, we lost a good football game. Because when United lose, they do it spectacularly, playing dreadful. They don't do it in the right way. So I just think whenever Jose, for example, last season, finished second. You finished second, Man City were amazing. No one's going to catch them. Well done for finishing second. But because you didn't play attractive football, it immediately knocks you down even more. If the revolves, if the roles were reversed last season mm -hmm. and Guardiola had come second, 
you still would have said lit up the Premier League fantastic football unlucky that United was so good but they played some fantastic stuff I just think whenever you go in with a bad attitude first you haven't got anything to fall back on much like Klopp does Klopp's won nothing Pochettino's won nothing and there's a stat that backs that up actually and oh, really? Mourinho's 144 games in charge of Man United they didn't they didn't score four or more goals once West Ham have done it Leicester have done it Everton have done it Crystal Palace have done it Bournemouth have done it Man City have done it 17 times oh, four, mean, or more. four or more goals. This yeah. is, I mean for a team for, a, for I mean every club says it has a way of playing mm. but for a team so steeped and a club so steeped in that attacking philosophy to hire I mean it was a mistake to hire Josie in the first place let's be honest 100% totally agree there yeah. um, that is because when they hired him for me as I remember as a kid watching I, like I didn't watch the Premier League as a German obviously so I only saw him play in the Champions League and whatever German team played them I was just afraid of United I, I feared them because I know they were, they were just going to go for it for 90 minutes and play the most brilliant football I've, I've probably ever seen in the, in the 2000s and um, late 90s too yeah. and um, then going for Mourinho and uh, that's why I'm with you there Alex with the Sevilla point the fashion in which it happened the, the style they played that was I think that could have been the first time that we actually in the videos mentioned it too and said like maybe that is just not the but that's but that's the thing if he plays the game in the right way you can say hands up Sevilla beat me exactly maybe. if you are set up maybe. so poorly that Vincenzo Montella can out attack you <laughs> no offence to him great player you know what I mean if, if your team has such little oomph and sort of attacking drive yeah. you could be beaten by but a sub score in a double you don't hire Mourinho to play good football That's or have a long term philosophy you hire, to you win. hire Mourinho to win trophies yeah. and as soon as he doesn't win trophies then, then that's it you want to really. treble well, yeah, if you, yeah, well, yeah. Who tell you? you want to is, that like, yeah. is that like the least credible treble ever? Mm. <laughs> it's up there. With yeah. I even had to ask our my English colleagues what exact were the cups, what exactly were the cups you won. Like, I know about the Euroleague obviously, but the rest. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's. I mean, the whole the entire club is a bit of a mess. Gary Neville has been talking about it and said, like, you know, he's talked about the recruitment, the poor decisions. Says that the club needs a complete reset. Uh, yeah, and what highlighted this most for me is that there's still 193 days left on David Moyes' original contract. Yeah. <laughs> I think with the recruitment, that's amazing. You, that's so <laughs> bad with the recruitment, they. I mean, it's amazing to me that it's nearly 2019 and they haven't got a director of football. Mm. They're they're living in the 90s. Um, they need a director of football, but also you can't tell me that. Mourinho getting that centre-back would completely change this season mm -mm. so it's not like one or two players are going to make a difference they need a complete root and branch mm -hmm. like overhaul and it, they've just got rid of the most rotten branch at the but moment it, it's but a decent squad it's it just a good squad but I don't I think it's a squad that is just about good enough to get in the top four I personally think wow. but I think with a proper coach who's who coaches players properly they could finish second third they could win the Champions yeah. League but they're not being coached properly because Mourinho doesn't players nowadays need proper instruction like in the minutest of details that's why players like working for Klopp like working for Pochettino like working for Eddie Howe even um, but Mourinho isn't like that he's a sort of big picture manager yeah. and that just doesn't work with the top mm. players now what's interesting is to contrast the players that he succeeded with your Terry's Lampard's Drogba's your the players that he had at um, Inter who am I thinking of the Milito guy and Cambiasso and yeah. players who's like the that? guy that did the headbutt in the World Cup got headbutt in the World Cup Matarazzi, Matarazzi. Matarazzi. Yeah, yeah, yeah of course his name just escaped yeah, me Matarazzi yeah. Ibrahimovic S compare those to like oh, what's, a, what's a way to say is a millennial footballer yeah. like yeah. Hogba and how different that is yeah. he yeah. doesn't know how to coach those type of players no, no, or approach those type yeah, of players yeah exactly and yeah th there was just an obvious like battle going on between the squad and the manager yeah. right from the off really I think and as soon like I said as soon as they start start losing games then it was always going to go one way so, and yeah and I think that his, just his style of coaching is outdated it's outdated by yeah. now I think we all agree on that and especially his approach on that was actually he was over it at Real already this whole like we're the outsiders here everybody's against us it's us against basically the rest of the world mm. like look if you're coaching Real or Manchester United one of the richest clubs in the world this yeah, doesn't, doesn't work, work anymore yeah. it might work at Porto and even at Inter when you're in Italy where Juve dominates everything but not anymore what um, what next for, for Jose I think because it's, it seems 
I mean, I don't want to say it, but it seems like it's it's game over. I think he's done at the top level. I National the teams. Only, yeah, the only big yeah. job he might get is Real Madrid, but that's just because Florentino Perez loves him so much. Mm. Um, if he if he goes there, I think it would be a mistake, but yeah, that could no, be the kind of job I can see. Wait, a mistake him. for him or a mistake for Real Madrid? For... Uh, him and the club why for honest. him though he can't lose anything well he but he's all about his reputation when yeah, when they went done. when they went out of the Champions League last year he said that Sevilla remind me of my Porto yeah I know because he's all about like tarnishing well, um, backing up his own legacy um, and if he goes to it's Real Madrid it's almost like he's got a massive ego well yeah exactly and if he goes to Real Madrid and he finishes outside the top four at Real Madrid then that sort of I think this is the problem Mourinho would him. rather go in to a broken team and steal them up almost yeah, and yeah. sort of toughen them up. And th- that's the trend I saw. Mourinho's earlier career, mm-hmm. he took on the challenge of the fallen giants. He moved to Porto halfway through the season. They were out of the Champions League. They were out of the um, Portuguese Cup. And I think they were third. He took them to where Porto feel they should be. He joined Chelsea when they were nothing. They had a lot of money and took mm-hmm. them up. He joined Inter when they could not wrestle the title off Juve or AC for love nor money. Mm-hmm. Took them up. Real Madrid could not do anything against Barcelona took him to the title he's always about taking teams that step up when you're already the favourites and you've got to improve but isn't that Man United with Man City though and he couldn't do I, it this time I, I think so is, is huge yeah I, I, I agree with both I think United maybe not necessarily fallen giants I mean yes from what they were used to but I think you can't I'm not sure you could I don't know what the, the, the way to describe it. I'm not sure you could put that as in they were less of a club, had less to go off. Yeah. Had they less are. money. They didn't, Man United. This is the thing. But, Man United have the spending power. They have the pulling the attraction. But they, that, that doesn't mean they're not a fallen giant because for me, they completely are. There was Man United was the powerhouse of football in the early 2000s. That is like 10 years ago, like 15 years yeah. ago. Now. I know that. But it has been downhill ever since. But I think on the pitch, yes. Yeah. But off the pitch, no. Man United okay. are still the biggest brand in the world, regardless yeah, of their on-the-pitch failures. Brand, money, marketing, attraction. Yeah. They're still... They live as if they're title winners. That's true. But they're not. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're, they're, going they're living deep, off royalties. They're going deep into that credit card. Yeah. 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 That's, that's how they're living. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to take over. Yeah. It's a free hit. Yeah, it's a free hit for him. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't think he's going to do anything. No, I mean, his win, his rated Cardiff is terrible. Yeah. Um, 18 games. Was it three wins, three like defeats, yeah. or three draws? I don't know. I mean... I get it from their point of view that he knows the club and he knows the players and it's he's but not going to do anything you know like instill a new philosophy at Man United or whatever it's no. just to get to the end of the but season but honestly like how much does he actually know the club at this point yeah, I mean yeah. like when did he end his career 2005 yeah. maybe something yeah. like that Something I mean, like that, yeah. how much do you he's, still know about this It's just a complete and utter yes man to oh, front yeah. the fans. But much he, like Southgate was at England, everyone likes him. Well, it worked really out well for him. <laughs> yeah, it worked out well for him. But, you know, it was a real crowd pleaser, effectively. I actually, Get rid of the negative I actually think the biggest, the, the biggest appointment is Mike Phelan as assistant manager. That yeah. was David Moyes' worst decision. He got rid of all the backroom staff as soon as, as soon as he came. Sir Alex Ferguson left. Got rid of Mike Phelan, who was really popular with the players. And I think him coming back might actually be a big thing he knows a lot of like the, the younger players in, in the sort of under 23s under 18s if they can bring a few of those through before the end of the season um, it could sort of revitalise something but then they've got to make a massive decision in the summer as well that's my next yeah. question yes. yes how nervous are you about that decision <laughs> yeah. that's what I want to know um, because uh, by all accounts Pochettino is the number one target for Woodward yeah I mean Deep down, there is a little bit of me that's panicking because, okay. as I say, because of Man United, no matter how poorly they do on the pitch, it's they're still United. They carry so much yeah. weight. So much However, weight. everything points to him not leaving. I mean, he's. It why sounds would like you you're trying to convince down, yourself here, Matt, rather than. Why would you turn down Real Madrid only to then go to United? Oh, Real Madrid's a mess. You never go to Real Madrid. But well, I mean, it's 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 the same mess, different country. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's it would seem odd for him to turn down Real Madrid to then only go to United a few years later. They can offer again. I'm not saying they offer nothing but compared to Spurs. All these but, all these huge managers, mm. but they all have massive egos. That's just how they're wired. Yeah. And I think the 
being sold the you can take Man United back to the top is too much for well, most I'm watching that Sunderland documentary at yeah. the moment and that's exactly Simon Grayson's thinking behind it he's like I came down here or I came up here because he's gone up to yeah. Sunderland obviously and he's like I could take this huge club back yeah. you are yeah. bang on that's about how, that that's how all, all top footballers are wired like that all yeah. top managers are wired like that and I think I think if, if they do approach Pochettino I think it will, even if they do finish 7th this season mm. and they're not in the Champions League I think he's going to find that very difficult to turn down I know he won't have as much control over the whole club like yeah. he does at Tottenham but it's Man United mm. so you're, who are you naming then? I, well, I think they sh- well Pochettino is yeah what, yeah I think they'll. see I think Pochettino is not the man for it right okay I, he's been at and no offence he's been mm. at smaller clubs yeah your Southamptons your Tottenham Hotspurs yeah United's a completely different beast but he has a track record of bringing through players playing the right football mm. um, and Tottenham are a champion and he's taken Tottenham who uh, were a smaller club and he's made them one of the top like guaranteed top four mm, yeah um, okay. he's, he obviously gets on well with the players he has a plan oh they look like they would run through walls yeah and yeah. And he can sort of, you know, speak to those younger players like Ali, like Kane. Um, Do you think he'd relinquish so that, much control? Well, though? I think that's what Daniel Levy needs to say to him now: is look, you're not going to have as much control as you do at Tottenham, but like having te- like ten percent of like the wage and, and budget yeah. that, that Man United do is it yeah. better to have 100% control of nothing or mm. 10% of something mm. I just I mean? it, the only thing that makes me positive is the fact he came out in the summer when Real Madrid apparently came in for him and said I'm loyal to the club like it's very rare to hear that and I know Lottie doesn't Money mean as talks. much these days yeah I think, I think Pochettino would want to take them into the new stadium yeah. Well, should, uh, well, like, how long can you wait? Well, yeah, exactly. Wait for that. Exactly. And if, so, if they move in January and he does yeah. half a season, okay, we're, we're going to have to move on. But I really want, I really want your suggestion for it before we go. Um, I just just came to my head because I saw the jersey. I would. Why don't Lucien Favre from Dortmund? He has the style of play. He has never played, never worked with this kind of, of players. That is that is true. But I'm madly in love with him at the moment for the okay. style of football he plays. So yeah. I'm going with Favre. I think Jardim is if they don't oh, yeah. Pochettino, Leonardo Jardim. From <laughs> well, I think it should be Allegri. Oh, yeah. who would, seems to me the perfect yeah, manager no. for it all. Yeah. But anyway, that's enough Manchester United. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. we can move on. All right. So before all of the drama that was Manchester United, the drama this week was the Champions League draw. And what a draw it was. So what I thought for this is that we could go through each of the matches and you experts that you are can tell me what you th- who you think is going to win and which games are the most exciting and all of that sort of jazz. Schalke, Man City. I think we can be. We <laughs> really can't with that one. decision. Skip through. Yeah, a favour. Yeah. Yeah. Atletico Madrid and Juventus. Now this to me could be the tie of the round. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, if you like boring, negative, crap football. Oh. I think it'll be ah. I think oh. it'll be one for the purists. Simeone will go in, try and get a nil-nil in both games, maybe nick it in extra time. It'll be interesting, but I don't think it'll be thrilling. Bad draw for Juventus though. Yeah, if you difficult. come top of your group and you yeah, get Atletico yeah. Madrid as the second and team, this, that's a terrible This Probably year it's very top heavy as well. All the best teams finished mm-hmm. first. So yeah, Juve will feel yeah, very hard done by there, I think. Man United PSG, anybody want to talk about that one? I It's so it's so dependent. Yeah. Now and then, you don't know what Man United are going to look like in two months. And also, I would never trust PSG. In yeah, because they, PSG is just a thing with the league, right? They yeah. never, they're never challenged. And now the next Champions League game is in what, starting of February. Uh, so they will not have a competitive game for like four months at that point. But as it stands, you could just see Mbappe and Neymar and everybody just ripping United. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, from like. Gotta be honest here, I haven't watched too much of PSG. I'm just reading a lot. Um, from what I hear, it's like they're adapting to Thomas Tuchel's football more and more. And then that could be a team that to fear, actually, in the Champions League. I just can't imagine Solskjaer on the sideline, a, a suit-wearing figure leading his team into the quarterfinals. You can imagine him sitting there panicking, going, this is as much of a free hit for you guys as it is for me. But I don't think it'll be the 4-5-0 that people are expecting it to be. Oh, yeah. no. I think it will be. I think yeah, I, I, I fully expect but Phil you Jones think, you to think be PSG flat on his You think is completely going to hammer them and... 
Yeah. Well, look, if PSG give away a few chances, Lukaku isn't putting them away. But if United do, then Neymar and Mbappe definitely are. Oh, I don't know. PSG is a very light-hearted team. They're always good to concede a goal. And, yeah, uh, I, know. Yeah. I think if Solskjaer gets them organised, look, Mourinho... Sorry, we're back on my United name. Mourinho called out his centre-halves at every possible opportunity because he needed a new one. Like, how do you think Phil Jones and Chris Morning <laughs> feel about that? But, so now that Solskjaer's in, I imagine they're going to play a lot better. But, but what on earth has Solskjaer got in the way of defensive knowledge to well, bring? Yeah, but that's where Mike Phelan comes in. That's where Michael Carrick needs to step up a bit more. Kieran McKenna's a really good coach. That's yeah. where they all need to step up. Okay, well, yeah. I'm banning Manchester United <laughs> yeah. for this podcast. Tottenham Borussia Dortmund. Oh, yes. yes that's yeah. what we want to hear. I think, I think one of the uh, the most attractive games, footballing-wise. Um, 100%. I mean, from a Spurs point of view. Two away um, games two away games uh, from, from a Spurs point of view we did the double over Dortmund last season um, not the a same vastly Dortmund. different Spurs team at all what, but a very team? different Dortmund team but a very different Dortmund team I think a, a different Dortmund team but I can still see Spurs I can still see Spurs winning overall from wow. what I've seen um of Dortmund but yeah. I'm sure they uh, it's, uh, I would, you'll, you'll have more I agree I can't see them win um, but you can see Tottenham win I can see them win mm. I oh. can okay. because well the thing with the Dortmund team still is that they are at this point it's super young squad again like they're, they're so young so unexperienced like from these players like I don't have it at the top of my head but they're only like a bunch of them have ever played a knockout game in the Champions League and um, so for me, if I would have to bet on it, I would clearly bet on Dortmund um, because I think that Tottenham is going to get into trouble in, in the Signale uh, Duna Park in Dortmund. I think Dortmund, that's the thing with Dortmund. They're going to score two at least. And if you have like, if you score two at home, that's already a good start to to. I don't know. I, t- I, I really like watching Dortmund, but you saw them this year against like Bruges. They really struggled. Yeah. Um, and, and but Tottenham's habit at the moment of just coming up with really important late goals. If everyone stays fit, I think Tottenham will win but yeah. there, there is a lot of that can happen between now and the end of February yeah. and a transfer window yeah, but, transfer the, window, the, but. The, all the teams all the teams that actually managed to be, look good against yeah. Dortmund like uh, Brugge and uh, who was in the Bundesliga f- few weeks ago the draw um, not, not like two all these teams basically play five in the back super destructive football what they try is to basically um, have <laughs> technically two full backs on the sides to like give no room to Sancho and Royce and that's what Tottenham does right and they're not going Start, do you think that, that you, you guys are going to play like that against Dortmund? No, they're going to come out and they're going to try to take them apart. And Absolutely. I would, I would say behind Dor- Dor- Dortmund's defence is... And that's the good thing with they Dortmund. They give up chances, yeah. Dortmund's defence. They do, they do. But the good thing, about, what I like about mm. Dortmund is that they, they have... They have the ability, and very few teams, in my opinion, have that, to sit sit back and wait for the for the right moment. So if they see you coming out firing, the Tottenham mm. Hotspur coming out firing, they're just going to wait. They, they they do that from time to time, wait for the right moment, and then just like score. So I'm with Dortmund here. Okay, Leon Barcelona. I think we can. Uh, yeah. Uh, actually, whoa, 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 actually, whoa. I know Barcelona are obvious fav- uh, mm. favorites on yes. paper, especially, but. I was looking into Barcelona because I've got to do a thing for, over Christmas, and they check it out. We'll their yeah, football up. Their defense this season has been atrocious. Barcelona, uh, yeah, only of in of the teams in the top half of the Liga, only two have conceded more. I think it's Celta Vigo and Levante. Possibly, they've conceded like twenty-one goals. Um, they really miss on TT when he's not there. Yeah. PK looks slow, really, really slow at the moment. Longley hasn't settled in. They really need to Stegen to be at the top of his game, otherwise they struggle. And Leon are brilliant in attack. I think it yeah. could be could be like a basketball mm. game, really. This one, so oh yeah, you know, I think it's could be it's really closer good. than Le- people yeah. think. Leon did well against Man City yeah, too. Yeah. So do you imagine Chris yeah, they were brilliant. And Depay is a complete player reborn. I've been yeah. I was like just going it. to say, I don't know what happened, but Unbelievable I really like guy. Memphis Depay now. Like I really love watching Unbelievable. him. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, you like so, his yeah. tattoo. I well, I can't even point out a single tattoo, but I like that he's completely. Ta- uh, <laughs> he's, full got, of tattoos. he's got. He's got his back. He's got a lion all across his back. Well. 
That's not as bad as Leroy Sané having a picture of himself on the back. Oh. <laughs> or what I saw yesterday, Hertha player Andre Duda on both knees has work hard, play hard. Oh dear. Mm-hmm. Who's that? <laughs> Andre Duda from Hertha. Oh, scored last week. Yeah, no. <laughs> so no, uh, I think that could be a really good game. Yeah. Roma v Porto is the one that we are all skipping. Is that correct? Um, yeah. Uh, including okay. the players. Including. I think yeah. if Francesco gets sacked, then Roma will he, sh- chance, he, he should be gone by then. Yeah, yeah. until then, Porto, I think, the favourites. Okay, Porto, of course, has got the most points out of any team in the group mm, stages. Yeah. Mm, so exactly. you never know. Ajax Real Madrid. Yes. This is a this has a classic European Cup yeah. title written all over. It's really it. good to see Ajax back, isn't it? Mm. Sort of a really good, young, exciting Ajax team. Real Madrid are not good. I know yeah. they're winning again, but they were terrible last week. They were awful against Wesker. Um, you know, like we've said before, a lot can happen between now and the end of February. But maybe Jose will be in charge. But maybe he will. <laughs> um, but. You know, with Real Madrid, they always step their game up for the Champions League, don't they? Um, so this, I think, this might be a game too far for Ajax, but yeah, um, I think it should be really good. Really, um, the Ajax. I watched the Ajax buying game in the last game when it was three yeah. 0 It's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. I think um, brilliantly coached too. Yeah, I, I think, wish I had time to watch an Ajax. <laughs> <buying game. laughs> I think, I think they're, they're on. Real. I think it could be a really good, really, really. But good isn't game. There, there's always this thing with Ajax. And it's probably not going to happen, yeah. but there's always a chance that one like of the superpowers of European football just comes by in a yeah, winter. And just snaps yeah. up Frank de Jong. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. that's gonna happen. Yeah. This, this is <laughs> yeah. the thing. Post January yeah. is gonna be could potentially be a completely different. Yeah, yeah. yeah, very good. And what I think will actually be along with Tottenham Dortmund as a tie the round. Liverpool Bayern Munich. Oh yeah, Nico, how excited are you? I am really excited. This might be the first time that Bayern is. Yeah. yeah. But look, I'm, by the way, I'm still I'm still taking any bet. Jurgen Klopp is going to coach Bayern at some point in his career. That's going to happen. But um, you had he had to go via England yeah he had to go he had to get out of the country first. Yeah, that yeah, was that was yeah. clear. Now um, this might be the first time since I'd say Barca 09 that Bayern is the clear outsider in a in a knockout in yeah. a knockout game. Yeah. Um, and the style that Liverpool plays is obviously Bayern's kryptonite at the moment. Yeah. That is that is literally I mean. They they conceded three three games against Dusseldorf, who play like one percent of what Liverpool can do at their best. Yeah. Um, but I also think that Bayern is gonna try to change uh, their style of football in the winter break. I'm pretty sure they're gonna work on their counter-attacking and try to get rid of their super slow like build-up. That is insane. <laughs> I can't watch Bayern anymore. Nah. But on the other hand, look, Klopp has been has been doing at Liverpool for what three years now, and Kovac is trying it over winter break of like two and a half weeks. So I'm going with Liverpool. Yeah, that could, I have a feeling that could get ugly for Bayern. Oh yeah, like, yeah. I don't. Liverpool shouldn't be scared of anyone. I think that in this could, Champions League. Could Easily yeah. be Kovac's, uh, Kovac's end at Bayern. Yeah, because he's going to be in in the in charge till then. Definitely. We've been saying this for so long. Now. Yeah, but now, yeah, look now. Dortmund lost yesterday. Bayern is going to win today. Then the Bundesliga is looking way better for Bayern come uh, come Christmas time. Yeah, but if they get absolutely trashed by by Liverpool and like maybe concede like four goals at home, mm-hmm. that is for Bayern. I don't think any manager has ever survived that. No, it's that one would... of them. I think it'll just be tight yeah. away at Bayern. Could be nicked by Liverpool or a draw, but Liverpool at home, yeah. Yeah, imagine the sight of Hummels running around after Salah. Is, I swear to God, Hummels is going to be embarrassing. <laughs> Hummels isn't sleeping a second till that yeah. game. He's no so chance. afraid. <laughs> so podcast at onefootball.com is where you can send all your questions in. Now, a couple of weeks ago, I don't know, remember if you were here, Nico, if you were Alex, we were wondering what Fortnite is. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> God, I sound so old. Was that some sort of a Fortnite ago? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, come on. Yeah. Uh, well, Anthony Lo Celso has been in touch and he says, hey guys, writing from Toronto, Canada, love your show makes my commute much more enjoyable it's nice to hear uh, you were talking about Ozil and Fortnite so I looked up his stats well, for when he goes on to explain what Fortnite is it's an online multiplayer game that combines a third person shooter and a city building game think of it as Minecraft meets Call of Duty Minecraft I've, Call of Duty I, I, these words mean nothing to I've, me. I've, <laughs> watched, I've watched Fortnite gameplay and it <laughs> looks to be the most stressful game I've ever seen okay. it's, it's so fast paced I would, couldn't play it well he says each game lasts about two minutes to about 25 minutes depending on how good you are and how long you last Ozil apparently plays five hours a night I mean it could be during the day he says a night uh, assuming he plays this much he's probably pretty good and lasting long so I'm guessing he plays about 50 to 20 rounds straight I wonder if he's got he's got a back problem hasn't he and well apparently he's got a back problem yeah, yeah. So I'm not surprised if that is the case he's hanging out in this Fortnite <laughs> yeah, thing yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, but according to according to by the way the Bild Zeitung he turned down an Inter offer for the winter break and 
probably be, his gaming setup is just really good in London. <laughs> yeah, He's like, yeah. can't do this. He's got me off to move. Yeah. <laughs> Moving house is a pain yeah. in winter. I've done it before. Nobody wants that. Now, Viraj Mehta has also been in touch and he says, Hi guys, how are you doing? Just wanted to ask, what do you think about Spurs' title prospects? <laughs> no, Matt. Uh. This is this is definitely one for you. Uh, they also want to ask, what about Chelsea? And do you think they have the oomph to challenge Manchester City and possibly Liverpool? But let's let's start with with Spurs. Can they challenge for the title? Any other regular season or a sort of era? Yes, but with Manchester City so good and with Liverpool challenging City, I just can't see it. There are too many inconsistencies with Spurs and that's such a, a basic thing to say you have to be consistent to win the title um, for me I think Spurs have the squad they just it's just they always seem to take one step forward two steps back I mean in the last few years you can almost pinpoint exactly where Spurs have gone wrong when they're fantastic against every other team in the league their top six form is dreadful and when they're brilliant and they put teams away they lose against the bottom sides I mean I actually got some stats earlier must be infuriating being it is I mean Tottenham against newly promoted sides Right, so the team's all at the bottom. Out of the last 81 points available since Pochettino took over, 77 points. They've which won. is incredible. Wow. Yeah. However, against the top six, they get one win away per season. And these are the games where that's what's losing you the points. Because when you win against all the bottom teams, everyone else wins against the bottom teams. Big whoop. It's when you come up against the Manchester City's, Liverpool's, Arsenal, Chelsea, and you lose that it just puts everything else that you're doing back a step. Do you know what I mean? You need to not even worry about these games. I mean, when I said the consistency is not there, last season Spurs went to Chelsea, six games before the end, and beat them. And you thought, great, Spurs will beat Chelsea. Two weeks later, they lost away to West Brom. And you think the West Brom one's the one you normally win and the Chelsea ones you normally lose, but you can't do both. It feels like they sacrifice one for the other. And just... I mean, we've won, is it one game, I think? One away game at the the big six, or the big five, not about the big six, per season, or less than one per season for the last six years or something. So, no. So, no. Well, yeah. If you look at the projected points that Liverpool and City are going to get... It's projected been, points? Proje- yeah, so if they keep going at the rate they're going yeah. at the moment, they're both going to get 95 to 100 points. There's no way Spurs can Yeah, okay. no, no. So. They're just too far away. Yeah. They're too good, both of them. And the same for Chelsea? Uh, I like Sarri I don't think they have a goal scorer um, they need to buy a new striker Ooh, in, in January right. I think yeah he's just, and you're just taking so much of Hazard's game away when you play him as a false nine he needs to be on the left he needs to be attacking fullbacks and mm. sort of linking up with a main striker he needs a focal point around him I think they've got a really good midfield I like the keeper I think he's brilliant what he's done with David Luiz has been like nothing short of miraculous um, so far this season they've got really good fullbacks but yeah they're just missing that goal scorer and if you don't have at least two people that are going to score 20 plus goals a season then you're not going to challenge so no no okay Nico I have a question for you did you listen to the podcast last week? Um, no, I was on the on the road. You were on the road. Well, yeah. anyway, Wesley Glenn from Kentucky yeah. fired shot at Andre Gonzalez. <laughs> and Wesley has been back in touch. He says, I would like to apologize to Andre for my diss at him. <laughs> I'm just as confused as to why I chose Andre for not knowing where Kentucky is. <laughs> Wesley had a bit of a brain fart, I think. Sure. He's genuinely one of my favorite people on the podcast. Again, brain fart. And I always <laughs> love his opinions. He's uh, right about the weed in the metro. That mostly applies to the eastern part of Kentucky. I don't know. I don't know where this is going. Uh, and <clears throat> another one of my favorite hosts stroke people on the podcast is Nico. Oh, that's, See, that's very, very nice. It is very nice. It. And he says, I'm actually an Eintracht Frankfurt fan. My man. <laughs> I visited Frankfurt, went to a match when I was younger and have loved the Eagles ever since. My man. I'm just watching an Eintracht jersey hanging on the wall right now. So there you go. There is the redemption of Wesley Glenn. Yeah. Frankfurt. I always liked him. You always did. You, <laughs> you go way back, right? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, speaking of Frankfurt and being on the road, you were at the Lazio game. I went. 
That was probably it the... It looked insane. It was. And it was probably the most horrible away game I've ever been to in my life. Oh. Um, just for the... First of all, mm. we ended up not getting into the stadium. But that's a different story. Um, it was great from the... From, as an experience because... Um, Pizza, nice oh, culture well, of wine, that's sort of Yeah, thing. and rain for 48 hours straight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, no, it was insane. So, the, like... Roughly between 12 and 15,000 Frankfurt fans travel to uh, to Rome, um, which is like is actually the normal number for the Frankfurt away games because they barely happen. And um, it was all good, but I've never I've been to games in London, away games with German teams in London. I've been in Paris, I've been in Bordeaux, in, in Spain, but n I've never experienced something like that. There were actually armed military. Uh, trying to trying to like force the Frankfurt fans mm. off the Plaza de Popolo, which is the place where we met. Oh, it wasn't just to keep your fans away. Sorry, it, yeah. the armed police wasn't just to keep fans of you away. No, 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 no. no. Okay. Um, and then they they stuffed like 12,000 Frankfurt fans in like 50 buses. Or at least tried it. Obviously, that didn't work out. Uh, we were checked five times on the way inside the stadium. Thing is, I actually had a ticket, but a friend bought it for me. And even though you, and it had to be personalized. And even though you he gave the option buying for somebody else name ID number everything the guy just like just he said no you're not coming in so I tried a different door and they were like your ticket is already scanned and I said yeah no it is I know it's already scanned I just did it at the, at the other thing and they were like yeah no way so we didn't get in um, but 8,000 Frankfurt fans did 9,000 mm -hmm. so that means like five or 6,000 of us were in the city and um, there were only 200 Frank, uh, Lazio fans in that stadium and nothing else the entire Stadio Olimpico in Rome was completely empty Italian football I'm telling you guys it's, it's, where were the Lazio fans? it's a terrible stadium I, I, so first of all it's a running track yeah. stadium it has been has been raining the entire day that basically played a small part I guess but I don't know and um just Rain from, shouldn't give a fan away. Come on. Yeah. Now the thing is, they, they the entire stadium was empty, but six thousand Frankfurt fans weren't allowed in. They just said no. They're like, well, yeah, well, no, you you, you can't get in here. Mm, it was it was a crazy experience. I've lis I'm listening to a few anti Frankfurt podcasts too, and um, they all all everybody that was there is pretty pissed with how everything went down. But on the other hand, we won six games in our comeback season in the in the Euro League. So. I can tell we had a few drinks afterwards anyways. <laughs> You're telling me that they are one of the most exciting teams in, I think in so. Europe, right? I might be biased a little bit uh -huh. as a Frankfurt fan, okay. but I think so. And even Matt, who wasn't a Frankfurt, uh, like, what do you say? He didn't necessarily a like him. A sympathizer. Or care at all mm. about Frankfurt. Yeah, no, so didn't. didn't like they've, they've, they've turned my head massively, yeah. It's just, it's just the, style, the style of football they play and it, the combination with the fans. Obviously, that's always a big part. It's probably the... I would say in this, at least in the Euroleague, it is the best crowd we I've seen this year. Um, we had three home games, three enormous typhoons over the entire stadium uh, for the for the games, choreographing. And who um, makes those? Well, one of them was sponsored by Kevin Prince Boateng. Ah. Former no Frankfurt way. player. He spent one hundred thirty thousand euros on. A, on a, you are joking. No. He did it. Wow. He did that. And the rest is... So, yeah, and this, there's like... The, it's called the UF, Ultra, Ultras Frankfurt, and um, they spent hundreds and hundreds of hours and hundreds and hundreds of people building them. Uh, and I can just... Everybody who hasn't seen it, just Google the EuroLeague um, home games from Frankfurt. You will see... Pictures will come up immediately. Immediately, It's insane. And that com combined with the style of football they play with Jovic, Alea, and Rebic, and um, the, the way these three... Uh, Attack, which is something I've barely seen in football, because they like they just switch roles the entire time, and then Alea's on the wing, and out of and Rebic in the middle, and all of them are very physical, very quick, and it's just great, great fun to watch mm. them. I think. I mean, we're all big KP fans on this podcast, anyway. Yes, yeah. I love cool. him. He can only go up in our estimation. Yeah, yeah. Is, is what I would say. Yeah. Uh, of course, Berlin boy too, which yeah. means we're biased about him. Now, uh, the Bundesliga has reached its halfway point. Or just about reached its halfway mm -hmm. point. Uh, Dortmund crowned winter champions. 
Did he get a trophy for that? No. Ah, no. okay. That's the Spurs <laughs> thing to do. It's <laughs> <laughs> just get or, a sort of, we made it halfway. Or yeah. a shaker thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is that them? Harry Redknapp in the jungle. Yeah, uh, yeah. he got a crown. I guess, I guess we wouldn't have predicted that at the start of the season, would we? No. Um, I actually, after like five match days, I publicly said, well, congratulations, Bayern, you're winning it again. So, no, we didn't. But... Um, Ever since they brought and they decided to bring in Lucien Favre, which happened a bit earlier than the end of the last season, they literally haven't made a mistake I could point the finger at. Like, nothing. Every single transfer is a massive hit. Even transfers they, they brought in years ago that didn't look like they were working out, Jakob Boon Larsen, for example, are now star players in the Bundesliga. The style they play, well, they just lost their very first Bundesliga game last night to Dusseldorf, which was unlucky. They, they played good there. Um, now, this Borussia Dortmund team is... Uh, is Great fun to watch. Is the argument to be made that Axel Witzel is the Pro- signing of the yeah, summer? Probably. That's that's. I've just I've been thinking about that quite a lot. Pounds. Yeah. Twen- so twenty eight million euros, I think, or twenty two million euros. It's mm-hmm. gonna end up being rough. It- bit about 50 million with his salaries because that's apparently how we calculate transfers by now right. according to Hans-Joachim Watzke <laughs> Dortmund's chairman do we? yeah because he was asked he was just asked well you've never made a transfer over 50 million euros why is that and then he said like well Axel, Axel Witzel is over 50 and then the guy was like no he's not and he was like well if you over five years 8 million per year you end up at 52 million euros so yes we did oh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, just, that's clever thing yeah right, so nice but I would still say that's a bit disingenuous <laughs> so he's definitely the heart of the team at this at the point, yeah. and he just the last the the last Bundesliga game he had a passing completion rate of ninety nine point six five percent or something. What? Yeah, yeah. He played he played like seventy five passes and uh, seventy four of them reached reached a man. Um, but I would say still Akasea is probably the signing of the season because if you find a striker that now has twelve goals in the Bundesliga that is clearly going to score. 2025 20, in his first season in the Bundesliga and coming from the bench most of the time and this guy costs you 24 million euros that is a bargain I wouldn't even get out of bed for 24 million <laughs> that, euros but if you if you compare it to, to the Premier League signings for 24 million euros you don't necessarily expect a star player anymore uh, do what you? did Chelsea play for Morata? Uh, 60 60 yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess we also would not have predicted Bayern nah nah we wouldn't Bayern, um, and the, the best part about it is not only on that the pitch that because losing, yeah, it's, it's the best part. The, it's a narrative, right? It's an entire story because with the ongoing success of Bayern, they started to behave like they just own German football and the Bundesliga and actually the national team on top because most of the players were playing for Bayern. And at the moment, it's just for me, it's great fun to see them not being really able to handle that they don't. Um, especially Uli Hoeneß, the president or the chairman, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge. Um, and they're still, they're still behaving like they do. I mean, they just, just called himself Germany's most important club. But excluding any other sports, excluding anything, there are sports <laughs> uh, clubs that don't do sports, but they're G- Germany's most important club. And um, I actually think it's a good thing. It's, it can only help the Bundesliga, in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, I agree. Well, you know, sometimes you just need to be a bit more humble. Yeah. And, and you know how Bayern is. Like, they always they have their slogan, Mir san mir, which means we are we. Basically, their their uh, explanation of just being, doing whatever they want and then <laughs> yeah. say, well, we are we. That's what we do. Um, I guess one of the redeeming features this season so far is that with Bayern not being as good and Dortmund being better that the Bundesliga looks a bit healthier as, as yeah. a league in itself yeah the Bundesliga not only in the on the, in the Bundesliga itself in Europe as well um, that, that stop of that Bayern dominance helps everybody it gives other teams room to breathe actually um, and Last year, I remember at this time last year, we were talking about that the Bundesliga is nearly done. Like uh, every German team got knocked out of the group stage in the Euro in the Euro League, in the Champions League. Dortmund was the worst third place ever with two points against Limassol, <laughs> and Oni Eich. Lana, you went. Spurs were in that group too. Yeah, no, I Lana. Think, yeah. I think it was Limassol. Limassol. Well, translate. Sorry, I can't remember. Somebody can email in yeah. and just know yeah. how wrong we were. And and it really looked like German football is 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 in big big trouble when it comes to um, the com- competit- competitiveness in uh, compared to the rest of Europe, and. Um, and now we see that it wasn't that bad. Um, we just had the problem Dortmund being 
Dortmund last season, mm. just very, very bad. Bayern was good, and then we had a few teams that didn't weren't really interested in the in the Euroleague or couldn't really handle it. And that, to me, just showed how fragile German football is, uh, because there are no powerhouses. Like, if the fourth fourth club in Germany, like if Liverpool finishes fourth, what they did quite some time, or Arsenal, and they compete in the Euroleague, you know, wait, they should they should be able to win it, right? If in Germany Hertha finishes fourth, what can happen? Like we're happy if they get out of the group stage. Mm. So that just shows German football is way more fragile and not as powerful as English football. But this year it starts to look better with Frankfurt and other teams in the Euroleague and Leverkusen, young talented squad. You get the feeling that hey, it's not as stark as it looked over the last few years. Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> um, finally, you want to talk about the 2014 World yeah. Cup winners? Yeah, that is that is something I really wanted to talk about. And um, Alex, you mentioned that Piquet looks slow. Mm. He basically is like he's 29 now 30 yeah, what's his age 30. He, he played every World Cup that Germany played for basically the same time they all went to the semis or finals always he has the same amount of matches played than the 2014 World Cup winners and you can just see it. Like these guys are on their way out yeah. they just are and I think after the World Cup when I started saying that everybody was like that's not fair it was just a World Cup uh, Bayern was in the in the semis against uh, Champions League semis against Real and they didn't look that bad um, and maybe it wasn't fair but I think the sample size now is big enough to say these guys are actually on their way out and um, I hate saying it because I like for example Boateng I really like Jerome Boateng I think he's a great dude um, but they're just no world class players anymore and that's uh, coming that is what, what, what hit Bayern and the German national team that hard because it's Neuer Boateng Hummels uh, Müller there are plenty of them And um, has this been coming for a few years though because I feel like when it's not competitive they could have been bad for four years since yeah. the end of the last World Cup and nobody cares yeah. no one cares and no one can see it because they walk Bundesliga so yeah. easily they they um, did walk Bundesliga yeah exactly and if you, if you like break it down to the national team again and talk about Germany in 2016 European uh, championships they basically when they got knocked out everyone was like well yeah we played Schweinsteiger um, but he wasn't on form and he basically like he he like, uh, like played the ball with a hand and was a pen for uh, for France and that's basically was the end and everyone was like well it was his fault but nobody said like actually we should have lost that game anyways because we were just not playing playing too good and just like you said Matt since the Bundesliga it was so easy for Bayern and uh, being well coached and a team that is fitting very fitting together well fitting together um, I think everybody just closed their eyes a little bit we were like well, you guys can still do it well, they're open to reality now. They yeah. certainly are. Because of an English guy, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> because Jaden Sancho is teaching. Yeah, it's true, it's true, yeah. Okay, that's all from us today. My thanks to Nico, Matt and Alex, and thanks to you for listening throughout the year. We'll be back in January. In the meantime, you can listen to the back catalog on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, or wherever it is you get your podcast hit. And if you want to get in touch, wish us all a Merry Christmas, then the address to do so is podcast.onefootball.com. I love you.